Good morning. You can go ahead and have a seat this morning. If you talk to a realtor or someone buying real estate, especially commercial real estate, there's an old funny saying that says, what are the three most important things to consider? And the answer is location, location, location. And so today we turn to the Lord's Prayer, and I want us to start by the most important thing to consider, location, location, location. The Lord's Prayer is in the very middle of Jesus' seminal teaching to us, his disciples, of how he expects us to live on earth. The Sermon on the Mount. We oftentimes forget that the Lord's Prayer comes, I mean really, almost exactly in the middle of this sermon. Up to this point in the sermon as Matthew records it, we, the disciples of Jesus, have been encouraged that we are a blessed people, commissioned to be salt and light in the world, commanded to love God and our neighbors, and to live sacrificial lives. Jesus has said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. I say to you that whoever is holding a grudge against his brother will be subject to the same judgment as one who has committed murder. Unless your righteousness is greater than the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And maybe the coup de grace, you must be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. It is no wonder that in Luke's account of the Sermon on the Mount and the Lord's Prayer, that the disciples interrupt Jesus in the middle of his teaching with a desperate cry. Lord, teach us to pray. We do not want to miss the significance of this cry. If we have any hope of being the kind of kingdom people that Jesus wants us to be, we must first be a people of prayer. Why? We are incapable in our own strength and will to live out the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, I want to make sure that we all heard it. We are incapable. It is impossible. It will not happen that we can live out the Sermon on the Mount by sheer force of our will. The first disciples knew this. They knew it. And there is a desperation. You can feel the rhythm in Matthew of the sermon. A desperation begins to build. You're blessed and you're salt and you're light. And you have to be greater than the Pharisees. So if you hold a grudge, that's like murder. If you lust, that's like adultery. Can you feel it? Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And they cry out, Lord, stop. 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 We can't take anymore. Teach us to pray. We need help. And when we cry out for help, Jesus answers with something far greater than our desperation. And he says this, okay, let me teach you how to pray. Start like this, our Father, 
I know those are the first two words. We say them a lot, and we're kind of not quite into the prayer yet, you know, right? Like, you know, we are bold to pray. Lord heaven, hallowed be thy name. Don't mess it up. Our Father. To understand the beauty and tenderness with which Jesus meets the disciples' desperation, we have to look back at how he defines the love of the Father. And the way that Jesus teaches us about the Father is through, first and foremost, the the parable of the prodigal son. This is how he defines father. You'll remember the story. The prodigal had rejected his father, ran away with his father's goods, tried to live by force of will, and ended up messing it all up. And we find he, he finds himself near death and nearly without any hope of restoration. And a, and a desperate thought comes to him. Maybe, maybe, maybe if I go back to my father, maybe if I practice a speech and I say the right words and I come humbly and I kneel and I bow, maybe, maybe, maybe he will let me serve in his household. I can live with the slaves, with the servant quarter. I can be, I can be low, but at least I'll get food. And he's all practiced up. And he comes toward his house. But he doesn't have to come very far. Because where we find the father in the story is standing on his front porch, looking out into the horizon, waiting for his son. And when he sees him, the parable says when he sees him way out there, he leaps off the porch. He sprints toward his son, grabs him in his arms. Tony, there's a picture up here that I love. It's by Rembrandt. I know it's dark and it's a long way away. But it's Rembrandt's portrait, uh, portrait of how the prodigal son is welcomed back by his father. And if you can't see it, right here above the cross, incidentally, which is a nice way to look at it, the son has fallen to his knees with only one shoe on. Don't miss it. He's worn and tattered and desperate. And his father embraces him and pulls him close and welcomes him. Jesus is saying to us, his disciples, that he understands that we cannot live up to the standards of the Sermon on the Mount. We cannot do it in our own strength of will. But there's not no answer. There's not, no de- there's not desperation only. Jesus also has an answer. Our Father is how we do this. So the father's good, but you know what? The word our is better. The word our is better. At the close of 1 Thessalonians, Paul gives this really short list of expectations of how Christians will live in society, how we will practice the Sermon on the Mount together, living in peace with all people. And he says three things, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. These, expe- uh, these expectations, by the way, they are written as imperatives. The way that they are translated in your Bible is correct. Paul meant them as imperatives. They are command statements. Do these things. I don't know about you, but when I go to bed at night and I assess my day, seldom can I say, I rejoiced in everything. I prayed without ceasing. And everything that happened to me today, I gave thanks.
Now, before I go any further, I want to be really clear about something. We Christians try very, 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 very hard. That was five berries, very fast. It's a, it's a bad teaching technique. You know, I should come up with a better word. I mean, we really spend a lot of energy trying to make these imperative statements not actually what Paul meant. Books have been written. Shelves have been filled that these are just spiritual. They're just spiritual states of mind. And I didn't have a better theological word. <laughs> when Jesus and Paul give us imperatives like pray without ceasing, they mean exactly that we should pray without ceasing. But these imperatives are overwhelmingly, almost always, in the Bible, written in the second person plural. Hear me. I mean, when you go to bed at night, and I go to bed at night, and we match up against what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount or what Paul says to the Thessalonians, you and I individually will come up short. What Paul is saying and what Jesus is saying is, you all pray without ceasing. You all rejoice evermore. These are second-person plurals. Don't miss it. You all in everything give thanks. You know, Lillian, I can't pray without ceasing, but you and I together will get closer. And you and I, Lillian, together with Paul, will get a little bit closer. Uh-oh, he's moving around. And Paul, you, I, and Lillian with Wayne, we'll get even a little bit closer. Patricia, join the crowd a little bit more. We together, our we can live the Sermon on the Mount together. We can live what Paul says together. We can do it together. We are brothers and sisters. We are the family of God under a good father. And when I am weak in prayer, I am counting on one of you to pick me up. And when you are weak with joy, you should be able to count on me to rejoice for you. And when you are critical and worn down and desperate and wondering how in the world we will ever live up to what Jesus says, Jesus gives us the answer, our Father. We come together. When the disciples of Jesus really understand that what he is asking of us is way too hard to do, we are a much closer family. I just don't think you heard me. <laughs> when the disciples of Jesus realize that we are brothers and sisters of our Father, and when we come together and understand that there is no way to live the Sermon on the Mount alone, we become a much closer family. So, today... We're going to try something a little different when we pray the Lord's Prayer. I hear you sniffling. I got it. I got it. I see the fear in your eyes. Yep, I see it. Today when we come to the Eucharist table, here's what I'm asking us to do. 
today only, some of, some of you will really love this, some of you will be freaked out. I'm going to ask us that we join hands today as we pray. Yeah, see, some really like it. Thank you, Patty. <laughs> Patty's excited. How we're going to do this is we're just going to, in our rows, and stretch out across this middle aisle. It'll be very, I'm not asking you to do this on the sides. We'll just do across the aisle. And I will give you instruction. We're just going to hold each other's hands to signify that together, our Father in heaven, we can do this together. Okay? And if you're, you know, a little nervous about germs, I've got hand sanitizer right there. I've got hand sanitizer right there on the side, and I got one in the back. After the piece, you can just, you know, lube up a little bit, right? Just get rid of those germs. And I got to tell you something else. I've been praying. God will keep us safe. It'll be all right. God will keep us safe. You don't have to worry. We're going to hold hands. Are we? There it is, Kenny. All right. Now, now, we're, now we're going. It's a group sermon. Excellent. I like that. Good job, Kenny. All right. But no one else talk. Okay, good. But that was good. Thanks, Kenny. I'm kidding, Kenny. Love, love you. All right. So we're going to do that today. One last thing. One last thing about the Lord's Prayer. And Tony, if you can put the next slide up. Oh, there it goes. Oh, boy, here we go. Well, never mind. You take it down and find it when you need to. Um, this prayer that Jesus gives us is a practice and a pattern. He gives us a practice and a pattern. Okay? And uh, we see this in our catechism that is called to be a Christian, an Anglican catechism. And um, how are we doing, Tony? Are we going to ever get there? You're doing great. Keep going. No, no, it's all right. There's no being sorry. Nope, you went by me. Go back, 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 back. Back, one more back. Hey, right there. Oh, one, go for it right there. Oh, look. You, uh, you should clap for Tony. Everyone always says, oh, slides are easy. I invite you all to go back and take a shot at it someday, okay? I used to think that until I tried it once. Here's what our catechism says, and I'm going to read the questions at the top, and we're all going to answer together in unison. Ready? That's a catechetical kind of classic thing. Here we go. How is the Lord's Prayer a practice for all prayer? When I pray the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is training me to pray according to his Father's will, so I should employ the prayer constantly. And the next one, question first, how does the Lord's Prayer give you a pattern for prayer? And the answer, together, the Lord's Prayer models the primary elements of fellowship with God, praise of God, acceptance of his rule and will, petition for his provision, confession of my sins, here called trespasses, forgiveness of others, avoidance of sin, and God's protection from evil and Satan. I should pray regularly about these things in my own words. It is because Jesus regularly practiced this pattern of prayer that in his most desperate moment, when he is facing unimaginable shame, torture, and death, he is able to come to the conclusion in prayer with the words, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will. You remember Garden of Gethsemane? Facing the cross the next day? Crying out to his father, is there a different way? Can you take this cup? Is there something? I do not, I despise the shame, we're told. Can there be another way, God? Can there be another way? And our Father, who is gentle and kind and powerful and merciful, through this pattern and practice of prayer, 
strengthens Jesus' soul and changes his mind to say, not my will, but your will be done. We pray this prayer regularly to form and transform us to the Father's will so we can be like Jesus and submit with him using the very same words, not my will, but your will be done. As a parish, the good things that God is doing in us and through us and for us are a direct result of prayer. I want to rehearse some of this with you in case you have forgotten. We needed a new place to worship and to have an office and to minister. And so for four months, we prayed. We set aside one day each month to fast and to pray and to be bold and ask God to just give us a building. And then a man named Larry walked in and said, hey, would you like to share a building with us? I often laugh with God about this story and say, I couldn't have a little credit, God, just a little. We have for more than a year now been praying on uh, the second Friday of every month, and that is coming up against human trafficking. We just, we just, by the way, not just, we started with the action of prayer. Step one of our strategy to stand with those who are enslaved was to pray. We didn't just pray, and then we'll do something. No, 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 no. We did something and asked God to do something more. And through that, I realized we, we need to be trained a little bit on what this is. We need to pick our heads up and pull them out of the sand. And so I called Anne-Marie, a woman from the underground that was introduced to me, and I said, what can we do to get this going? And she said, Brian, I can't believe you're calling. For seven years, my organization has been praying for the door to be open in Bridgeport. And you called. Why don't we get together and start this together? Seven years they have been praying. How will prayer be part of our radical hospitality moving forward? You didn't think I forgot, did you? Radical hospitality. By the way, Ariel, Ariel has seen three pictures about radical hospitality and has painted them and has put them in the case in the hallway out here. A couple are still working, a couple are still being worked on. Can I, can I ask you to do something? They'll be up for a few weeks, it's okay, they'll be there. You should go and study them for a minute. See what Jesus does through the images. Thank you, Ariel. Thank you, Ariel. Yeah, you should, yeah, that was a lot of work. Yes. How will prayer be a part of our radical hospitality moving forward? As I and the missions team and others in the room who have been intricate to this assess and plan what is next for the efforts to stand against human trafficking, it will have to be prayer that guides our actions. There is no shortage. There's about 100 things we could do. We can't do all of those. By the way, we can't do them all. I love the energy. We're going to have to be led by God to the one or two that this church is going to say, that's how we're doing it. By the way, I have some big ideas. Come to the annual meeting in a couple of weeks. I got some big ideas of how that might work. You're going to be excited about them. But we need to pray. So come on February 14th at 9 a.m. and spend Valentine's morning the best way you can. 
in loving prayer for those who have less, for those who are oppressed. Come in here. It's going to be right there. And keep coming. Every second Friday, our little group, thank you, those of you who have met so faithfully, I'm looking at you, and meet and pray. That will lead us. Our spring friendship dinner at the, on the campus of the University of Bridgeport will be ha held on Friday, April 24th. On the Saturday before that, Saturday, April 18th, for one hour from 11 to 12, we're going to do a prayer walk around that campus, and we're going to ask God to help us continue to build relationships with international students. By the way, it's hard to build relationships. Well, we're going to need prayer. We're going to need favor, and we're going to do that together. Mark it down on your calendar. We'll get you all that. It's coming. Beginning on Monday, March 1st, here, every Monday night through Lent, which is really the five Mondays in March. It's really easy to remember. There's five Mondays in March on every Monday, beginning on the first one. We are going to join together and have soup. Here's how it's going to work. Soup and prayer. Soup and prayer Mondays. Look, I just named it. Soup and prayer Mondays. <laughs> I'm really bad at naming things, as you know. Soup and prayer Mondays. We'll just call it that. It's great. Um, at 530, we'll ask a few of you to bring soup. Very simple. Soup. That's it. We'll have soup out from 530 to 7. At about 6.30, we are going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. Now, here's how this works. Some of you are like, well, I can't get there at 5.30. Well, that's why we have the soup out till 7. Some of you are like, I got to get my kids in and out, bang, bang, and get them to bed by 6, you know, 38, because I, I got to get my kids in bed. So that's fine. As someone who had young kids for a long time, I understand the value of getting them to bed early, all right? So you'll come at 5.30 to 6.30, and you'll go home. Some of you will like be coming from work, and I'm just going to have soup at 7, and I'm going to miss the Lord's Prayer, however. I got good news. Every Monday for March, we are going to have evening prayer in this room beginning at 7.30. We're just going to do evening prayer together for an hour. So how do you engage with this? Well, maybe some of you will just come for soup and the Lord's Prayer and have to go home with your family. Some of you will be coming from work and get a bowl of soup at 6.50. And have that soup and enjoy it and come down here at 7.30 and have prayer with us. Some of us won't be able to do any of that. We'll just be able to come for evening prayer. Any of those things or a combination thereof are a great way to engage. Mondays in March, come and pray. And don't come alone. Listen, listen, listen. Do not come alone. The lowest bar in the world... To come into a church is to ask one of your neighbors or friends or a stranger or a co-worker or a classmate that is far from Jesus, would you like to come and have soup? I'm really nervous about being in a church. The only thing we're going to do is pray the Lord's Prayer and then we can go home. Oh, seriously. Get them in the door. One of the hardest thresholds for someone who doesn't know Jesus to cross is knowing someone who does know Jesus and shows an interest in their life. That's one of the biggest ones is that they just don't know anybody who follows Jesus. So you be the one that tells them, come on, have soup. We'll follow Jesus together, right? We just come and have soup. We pray the Lord's Prayer, and you go home. Come to soup. Soup and prayer Mondays. That's, that's there now. Okay, last but not least. Our triads are getting started, and we're studying and having conversations about the Lord's Prayer. The materials will be available for the next couple, over the next couple days. Jan will send you a link. Uh, for those of you who already signed up, look, at if you're just like, I want to get in on this and I want to study all of these petitions with somebody else, if you still really want to do that, and by the way, I encourage you to want to do that, you have to email Jan by the end of the day today.
Okay, two things. Email, don't catch her in the hallway. That's hard for us by the end of the day today. Okay? Now, amen? Good. For our two minutes of quiet today, we are going to rest in the Lord's Prayer. I will pray each, I will pray first the address and then each petition and the doxology slowly, giving a few minutes of silence in between. When I pray our Father who art in heaven, I want you to rest in that truth. And as God brings something to you quietly in your heart, you can lift it back to him or just be quiet. And then I'll move to the next one and the next one and the next one. You bow your head and close your eyes. I will pray the prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen.